What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the ANJ Podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Adam. Yep. And today we have a special guest, our friend Elliot. Hey, what's up, guys? So uh, we're going to be running down um, our uh, dream free agencies for uh, the Giants and the Jets. We're going to be talking about uh, New England free agency, moves they're making, a little bit of baseball, and uh, that's pretty much it. So Adam, you want to start off? Yeah, so NFL started their... Uh, non-tampering free agency. So this is pretty much when teams can start talking to free agents without having to face tampering penalties. And a lot of breaking news so far. I mean, the Patriots are making splashes. They're signing pretty much a whole new team. Uh, we're seeing Chiefs restructuring a bunch of deals. We're seeing the Jets made a move like an hour ago, not even like 30 minutes ago, Gerard Davis. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. we got to see where a bunch of these guys are signing. Yeah, so we're just going to go quickly, you know, talk about who we want our teams to sign. Elliot, you're a Jets fan, so you can give us uh, yeah. a little bit of more insight on what the Jets should do and what you think they should do, at least. Mm-hmm. Free agency, you know, I'm thinking Giants. If we don't draft a wide receiver, which it looks like we might, or either a tight end, I think we should definitely look in that direction for a free agency, you know, get a wide receiver one. I'm thinking somebody, I mean, apparently we're making talks with Kenny Galladay. Because uh, he didn't get signed by uh, Detroit. Um, Adam, what do you think about like a Nelson Aguilar, Aguilar coming to the Giants? What do you think about that? Uh, I think he's interesting, but I think he's comparable to Golden Tate. And I kind of mm-hmm. want to be better. I want someone to bring in somebody the true number one. I don't want another Golden Tate replacement where it's like a number three guy, number two guy. kind of want that true number one to to give Daniel Jones a weapon, to give him someone to throw to in big spots and maybe in the red zone more. And I feel like if they sign a number one, that pushes Slayton, I mean, uh, um, Shepard to the number two, where he's a really good number two, not a number one. And then Slayton as your number three, I think that's, you start getting a good core. And I don't think Aguilar is a big upgrade from Tate. And it doesn't really push the needle for me. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Kenny Galladay if he went to the Giants? Kenny Galladay is interesting. Because he is a number one, but the thing with Galladay has been his health. He can't really stay healthy. I think, I think honestly, he might be the probably the best receiver in this free agency because I don't see Allen Robinson leaving the Bears. I think they'll franchise tag him and then eventually work on a contract extension, like a bigger deal. And I'm not a big guy on Juju. I know Juju's a free agent. I'm not a big fan of him. I think he's number two. So Gall- when I look around, I think Galladay's probably one of the only true number ones he comes with some risk but i think you have to you know you have to live with the risk and hopefully we can get him in here to be our number one i think if we do sign kenny god he's going to take a lot of restructuring because i don't think we have that much cap space already to begin with and we just signed uh one of williams back to to a contract so we're gonna have to see how that goes i'm thinking you know maybe we go for a wide receiver that's like not exactly a number one but it's like kind of close something like maybe like Corey davis from the titans yeah. Something like that. He had a pretty good season last year. I think he could be a good addition and maybe, you know, him being the star wide like the star wide receiver can push him to be number one, you know? But we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Listen, with the cap situation, Giants only have like four to six million in cap space right now, but we're seeing in the NFL that any team if if there's a will, there's a way. If you want to restructure contracts and get under, you can. I mean look look at what the the Patriots are doing, look what the Chiefs are doing, look what the, all these teams that are active right now, they're just restructuring contracts, 
They're getting under the cap. They're manipulating it. Look at the, the Cowboys. Have the Cowboys ever been a, the cap ever been a problem with them? They 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 give out these massive contracts every year. Elliott's on a huge contract. They just signed Dak. They Maury Cooper. Oh, they the cap shouldn't be a problem. We need Dave Gettleman to start, you know, getting to work and start restructuring these co- these contracts and get us more mo- uh, more money to spend. Because you know it's time to go. You know. Yeah. Funnily enough, you know, I don't know when he did this, but Saquon just uh, retweeted a picture of Kenny Galladay in a Giants jersey. Hmm. That's, I guess he's uh, trying to recruit. Yeah, I know Slay's been trying to recruit. I mean, Slayton's been trying to recruit uh, a lot of people. Yeah, Slayton. Yeah, because yeah, Slayton's a like an Instagram. Uh, I mean, like a social media kind of guy. He's always on there. But we have a little bit of breaking news. Uh, Joe Thune signed a five-year deal worth eighty million with the Chiefs four minutes ago by Ian Rappaport. So that's a huge target. That's a probably one of the best offensive linemen. Headed to the Chiefs after they already released Fisher and um, and uh, Schwartz mm-hmm. just a few days ago. So that's so a big target. Moves. Yeah, so like I said, this is the time where you're gonna see a lot of signings go, and I'm hoping that the Giants make a bunch of moves and the Jets, who have a lot of money, I'm hoping they make a lot of moves. I think Jet, uh, Ellie can help us talk about the Jets. Ellie, what do you think? What do you think uh, the Jets are gonna do this off season? Uh, well. I mean, well, look, the Jets got the second most cap space behind the uh, Jaguars. And even with, like, the cap decreasing by about, uh, I think it's at $182 million right now, the salary cap. So, Jets still have the second most. Uh, I, I I mean, I want the Joe Tooney, and I know uh, Joe Douglas really wanted Joe Tooney. He was, a, he was a Joe Douglas type of guy. I mean, Joe Tooney didn't miss a game. Or if he did, I think he missed one or two throughout his career. The guy was an Iron Man, great guard. He would have been perfect, but the Chiefs yeah, the Chiefs just snagged him, caught me completely off guard. I don't think anybody expected him to go there. I think Jets were favorites. Jets are at least the Dolphins were favorites to get him. Um, we tried going for him last year, but the Patriots hit him with the franchise tag, and I thought this year was going to be the year, so that completely, completely caught me off guard. That sucks, but, I mean, he's going to a team that he's probably going to win a Super Bowl with, so it's good for him. Uh, with Joe Tooney off the market now, Brandon Scherf is, uh, I think he got franchised. He's off the market, so that's another guard off the market. Uh, Corey Lindsley is probably the best offensive lineman, uh, on the market. He plays center. Uh, the Jets could probably kick McGovern to guard if they were to go the Lindsay route. I would, I would try to sign Lindsay. I mean, if he's the best guy available, I'll go. Tooney gets what sixteen million a year on his contract. You said it was eighty million in uh, five years. Yeah. So he's sixteen a year. Uh, I don't know how much guaranteed, but he's probably it's probably a decent amount. I, I think Lindsey goes for about the same amount. I think he'll go for that same amount, about sixteen, seventeen million a year. Uh, so that would be somebody at wide receiver. Yeah, Kenny Galladay is. Well, Allen Robinson actually declined to. Um, the the Bears tried franchising. Allen Robinson said he's not going to sign the franchise tag. He either wants an actual contract or he wants out of there. And I I don't think I don't think he likes Chicago anymore. I think they they've messed around with his money too much. I don't think he likes them. He's I I like him. I don't think he fits the Shanahan system. Uh, because the Shanahan system requires you you basically got to be a fast, speedy yards after the catch receiver. And Allen Robinson's amazing. But he's not really yards after the catch type of guy, so uh, I prefer 
my number one wide receiver I want the Jets to get is Curtis Samuel out of Carolina. He'd be perfect. I mean, the guy's like a Swiss Army knife. Was playing running back a couple of plays. Was very good with the deep ball at wide receiver. Was just great yards after the catch guy. He's 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 my number one at wide receiver for the Jets. Uh, I got a question for you, Elliot. Yeah. What do you think the Jets' number one um need is? Is it O line because their O line's been pretty bad for a while? Is it receiver or is it quarterback because mm-hmm. we know that Sam Donald's probably not in the future for them, at least mm-hmm. not right now. Uh, do you, what would what would you like to see upgraded the most? Well, what I, I I'm going uh, I'm I'm going QB. I I think uh, I think Sam has talent. Uh, I like him. He's a good kid. Like I really wanted him to succeed. He was perfect. Didn't cause any trouble. His interviews were always good. You know, he always stuck out for his teammates. Never threw anybody under the bus. But he unfortunately, look, it's been already his time has passed. You draft the quarterback. You know, you reset the financial clock for a quarterback. You don't got to pay him. We'd have to pay Sam about... With the cap being less, I think he would have to get... You would have... You'd probably sign him to the fifth-year option, and he'd get all guaranteed $18 million. Yeah. That's a little bit annoying, considering, you know, Zach Wilson at two, who's, by the way, is who I would want at two if the Jets were to go that route. I'd go Zach Wilson at two. I obviously want the Trevor Lawrence, but, you know, we the Jets got to be the only team to win two games and not get the first overall pick. I got a question, Elliot. Just one more. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you say quarterback's the biggest lead, obviously most important position. Uh, do you think? Do you think realistically, you think the Jets will be in the Deshaun Watson, Wilson talks, or do you think they'll probably go more the drafting route if they do move on from Sam? At first, I was thinking we actually had a legit chance at Deshaun Watson. I still think we do have a chance. I don't think we offer – the. I don't think there's a team that can offer better than what we can unless they're literally willing to give up their their, their first-round pick for the next five years. And even if they are, I mean, they're they're pretty bad positioning. We, we have the number two pick, so the Texans could get their quarterback if they want. And we have multiple first-round picks, so we can give up a first, we can give up two firsts, and we can still be pretty good. But – uh, after hearing Joe Douglas press conference, it, it seems pretty clear he does not want to give up a ton of picks. He's a drafting guy. He likes to build through the draft. If the Texans start asking for way too much, it's it's, it's we're gonna go Zach Wilson, and I, I actually think that's gonna happen. I don't think I don't think we end up with Deshaun Watson. I think it's, the price is gonna be way too high. So I think yeah, we go drafting route. All right. So Jav, Elliot's telling us that uh, he doesn't see Deshaun Watson the Jets' future. So where do you think the Deshaun Watson ultimately ends if it's not the Jets? At this point, he's just going to be sitting at home in Texas the whole season because it doesn't seem like he's going anywhere. Unless he make like a crazy like draft day trade. I don't know. Maybe maybe trade him to Miami or some shit. Maybe the Bears take him. But at this point, it seems like he's just going to sit for a little bit until they figure something out. I know the Bears are supposed to offer are supposed to offer the Seahawks an insane offer for Russell Wilson, like an offer they can't refuse. I mean, I I don't know why they wouldn't give that offer to the Texans for Watson, but it seems like you know seems like there are teams out there that are really willing to give everything up for the star quarterback, and I mean, sometimes you have to. Yeah, I mean, because you know you all these teams that could draft a quarterback, it's like you have to give them time, and even if you do, these still might be good. So, I mean, why not try and just get that guy that's already good, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, like Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. Both top five guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I got a question for the both of you guys. Um, 
a lot of questions. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but you know, you guys talking and got me thinking. Uh, if you were a GM right now, who and you could trade for one quarterback? Let's say you have the picks and the captains do it. Would you go out and trade for Watson or Wilson? I think Wilson's the more proven guy. He's a Super Bowl winner. You know where you're getting. You're getting an MVP. But Watson's also younger. Not as proven as Wilson, but the age is definitely a big factor. So if you were a GM, who would you guys uh who would you guys go for if you had to pick one? I I mean I gotta I gotta go Wilson. I I mean I I've watched enough prime time Seahawks games to see this guy, he just like he like has it. Like it's just some like Watson's got an insane amount of talent. I love Watson. But Wilson just like has like like it. Like like you, you give him a minute left on the clock and they're down by six, you, you could probably bet a lot of money Russell Wilson's making the comeback and Seahawks win. And I've seen this happen way too many times where he has literally carried that team on his back. Like, they, the Seahawks without Wilson are are our top five picking team. I mean, that team is not good. Their defense is awful. Terrible. You're telling me their defense is bad even though they traded for Jamal Adams? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. I'll take the picks. Love it. Great. That guy was great. I loved him. Then he started, you know, went on his his rants. Life is awful for him. We we were the worst people in the world to this guy, apparently. Terrible. You know what? Please, two round, first round picks, I gladly. Yeah, definitely for sure. Jets definitely look a little better after that trade. So let me ask Javin. Javin, Elliot says he picked Wilson. Do you agree or... Or are you more banking on the upside of Watson? I mean, yeah, Watson. I'm going to be honest. I'm picking Taylor Heineke from the Washington <laughs> football team. That's my guy right there. He is a big Taylor Heineke. Uh, honestly, um, I at this point, I think I'd take Watson just because he is very, like, so much younger. I mean, you know, fucking Tom Brady's playing until, like, he's 43, but he's, like, Deshaun Watson's, like, seven years younger than Russell Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. And Deshaun Watson's like playing at an amazing level as he is right. Now. I mean, when I, yeah, Deshaun Watson playing at an amazing level. So I think I I go for him to be honest. He's a I I'm really high on Deshaun Watson. I have been for the past couple of years. I think I'm I think I take him over Russell Wilson honestly. Yeah, I can see both points for sure. Um, I think what it ultimately comes down to is what team is trading for them. Because if your team like the Jets, even though Elliot said he doesn't envision them going after him, but if your team like the Jets was not really positioned to win right away. I think you might need a couple more years to develop a Super Bowl team. I think you'd probably go the Deshaun Watson route because he's younger and he probably has a longer chance. He has a better chance of playing a longer career than uh, Wilson than he is now. If you're a team like the Bears and you're kind of ready positioned to be a playoff team and you're trying to get over the hump compete for a Super Bowl, I think the Wilson trade probably makes more sense. So it's a matter of uh, situation, I think, personally. It's also a matter of offensive lines. I mean, yeah, Brady. Brady's what forty two, forty three. Keep I, I mm. keep feeling like that guy's forty five for some reason, but he's forty two, forty three. I think. I mean, that offensive line in Tampa was great for him. If it was mm. bad, he would have probably would it would have been bad for him. So, Russell Wilson with a terrible offensive line. I mean, he still makes things happen. Sean Watson has a bad, bad offensive line too. And he's unfortunately gotten injuries. I think he's already torn his ACL in the NFL. And I'm pretty sure he tore his ACL in high school or college too. So he's had two ACL tears. I mean, that offensive line in Houston's going to kill Watson. So I hope to God he gets protection somewhere. But a good offensive line, I, I mean, Phillip Rivers play, is played to 38. Eli Manning played to 38. Big Ben's still playing. I think he's 40. 
yeah. or 39 or something. So it's, it's it's showing a lot. Like uh, Rogers is 38 or 36, I think. So it's showing like age is, age is really becoming less and less of a factor for these QBs now. I, I think Wilson's got another 10 years in him. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah, me too. I think since you were talking about pure old quarterbacks, Drew Brees retiring, what do we what do we think about that? I know personally, me and Jav were really expecting this after his play last season, especially in the playoffs. He didn't look too good, you know. His arm just for the past like what couple seasons hasn't really been there. He really hasn't been able to throw past you know ten yards down the field. So I think this is wasn't too unexpected, but at the same time, it's still kind of a shocker because. It's the end of an error, and he was a great quarterback, and he means he meant so much to the Saints. What are you guys' opinion on the Drew Brees retiring? That guy's like he he was he was bleeding, gold and black. I mean, the that guy walks down, you know, New Orleans, and he's a god. Won them a Super Bowl. He went through like he had a lot of like the injury issues he had in the beginning of his career before going to New Orleans. Uh, I know his first year there was Bounty Gate, so he had to deal with that. I mean, the guy wasn't the biggest size. He didn't have the strongest arm. He was just very smart, very accurate. And he's, he was amazing. And it sucks that he kind of, yeah, we kind of saw him regress more and more, especially last year. I uh, lost some money betting on him like, over the Bucks in the playoffs. Really thought they were going to smoke him. But old man Breeze and his noodle arm, unfortunately, didn't do the job. So, yeah, I said everybody. I think everybody saw this coming. And uh, he, he got an NBC sports job. So he'll be, that guy's good. That should be interesting, yeah. What'd you think, Javin? I mean, I don't know why he put it off for so long, honestly. But we all knew it was going to happen, right? He just, like we all said, he just wasn't looking that good the past couple seasons. But, you know, good for him. One of the best quarterbacks that's ever played. And he means so much to New Orleans. I mean, they came the year right after Hurricane Katrina. They started winning shit. Got, brought them the Super Bowl. He's one of the best players to ever play the game, for sure. Yeah. And it's going to be sad to see him go. So what do you think the what do you think the Saints are gonna do a quarterback? Are they actually gonna roll out Taysom Hill and uh and Winston or do we see them maybe trading up for a quarterback or maybe taking one late in the first, maybe Trey Lance? Or do we see them on the Watson Wilson sweepstakes? What do you think, Javin? That's a great question. Honestly I haven't thought about that. I mean I can see them giving Winston a shot, even though because, I mean his last season in Tampa it was like, you know, kinda weird. Because it was like really good stats, except the interceptions. Mm. So I mean, maybe if they can somehow bring the interceptions down and like bring the sloppy play down, I don't think he would be that bad in New Orleans. And they just keep doing the same thing they're doing with Taysom Hill. Or if they're that confident in Taysom Hill, why not start him? I think Taysom Hill. I think I think that the whole like Taysom Hill's our quarterback thing. I really I really can't buy in on that because he's just flat out not that good right now. And I don't know what they see in him. I think they like his character a lot, and they like the things what he can do on his legs. But as as far as like a pocket passer, standing in the pocket, he's not that good. I can't imagine them betting so much on him now. I think they will, what they'll probably do is have a quarterback competition. I think they're probably bringing one more vet, maybe an Alex Smith, and have all three competing, and then see where it goes. If it's Winston, if it's Hill, if it's Alex Smith. But I think we're probably gonna expect a, a quarterback ballot at that position what do you think elliot yeah and I, I don't buy the Taysom hill thing either i mean well the money they gave him they buy it to him but there was i, I had to <clears throat> i had to look at that contract a couple times there was no like there's no real guarantees in that contract the contract's apparently voidable every year 
So I guess they probably came up to him saying, yo, this is probably a tryout. I think this Taysom Hill is going to be this year is going to be his year. It's going to be a tryout. If they don't do well, they'll move on. And they set up, they gave a good contract for them. I don't know how well it's going to be technically for uh, Taysom Hill if nothing's guaranteed. Players love guaranteed money. But yeah, I think Winston's going to compete. Uh, I don't think he beats out Taysom Hill only for the reason that I think they like what Taysom Hill brings. He's like a, you know, that Swiss Army knife thing where he can run, catch, pass. Like they can do a lot of, lot of uh, RPOs and play action pass. It could be very well with him. But uh yeah, I think uh, I don't think they're going to be they're not going to be positioned in the draft to get someone good. I don't think Trey Lance falls to them. I, I don't even think Mac Jones falls to them. Maybe Kyle Trask if they like him, but I don't see anything that special with him. Uh, I I thought they'd be in the Sam Darnold sweepstakes. To be honest, uh, I heard a report that the Forty ers are out, so they don't want Darnold. Uh, Saints I thought would be a great spot for him in New Orleans. Uh, I mean, if they're willing to give up, I think they could give up a second round pick, maybe a first because of the fact that they're like, you know, their first are basically seconds. But uh, yeah, I think I think Taysom Hill gets one year. If he flops, then they move on. Yeah, I can see that. It's definitely interesting, especially with the contract. They signed him to, was it four years, 140 or five years, 140? It was four, 140, no? Yeah, so it's four, 140, but every <laughs> every year is avoidable. And they somehow save money on the cap. Jab, do you know a little bit more about that? I know you were looking into it a little bit. Man, I have no fucking idea. I'm just making assumptions. But what what I what I think it's like, I guess the say they're gonna give him this money and then void it so he doesn't have anything on the books at that point. So I, I don't know how much they'd pay him at the end of it, but it it's a weird contract for sure. I don't fucking know how contracts work in sports. It's always so weird. I think I think they save about. Eight million on the cap. I think that's what the pro yeah. was. They saved about eight million on the cap. I'm guessing the idea is like it's kind of a Drew Brees' contract, but like you know because he retired, his contract done, and that money was I guess they gave to Taysom Hill, but like a less amount of it, no guarantees. I think he gets one. He gets about two million guaranteed, but that's from like signing bonus and roster bonus. So it's yeah. yeah so so I think pretty much I I think. Taysom Hill is not going to actually make that money. When the year, when the year is done, he's not going to make the 35 mil. I think what they're going to do is probably, um, it's really weird. I think they'll probably void it and give him less money. So he'll, by the end of the year, he'll probably be making like, I don't know, probably closer to 10, to 20 mil. And they'll do that. But it's a very weird contract. This just shows you that the, the NFL cap is just so weird, so complex, makes absolutely no sense if you're not a capologist. Like, you're really, it's a really weird. Like, you want me to read you this thing that I'm reading right now? Because it makes no sense to me at all. All right, go ahead. What is it? It says, Hill's new deal gets him $12 million all guaranteed for 2021. Now with an extra signing bonus of $9.6 million. Hill's base salary is only $1.34 million, And the bonus is spread over five years with around $1.9 million per season allotted through 2022 through 2025. All the years of the contracts are voidable, and there would be no dead cap money to cost the Saints to get out of the deal after two years. The bottom line is Hill costs Saints now only $8.4 million against the cap in 2021, saving him around $7.5 million. He also carries only about $7.7 million in cap paper 2022. Saints wouldn't clear any cap by cutting Hill after one season, but they would also eat only the future $7.7 million in dead money. I don't know what the fuck that means. It's interesting. So it pretty much says that they're going to run him out there for the first year or two, see if it works. If it doesn't, they 
they can get out that contract easy. Yeah, the Saints are in a bad position. Yeah, the way the way they've been hand, handing out their money is very weird. I feel like they should have had a backup plan for for Breeze a couple years, a couple seasons ago, because nobody believes in Taysom Hill other than the Saints. It feels like, and they should have probably took a quarterback last year with their first round pick, or they should have maybe gone and traded for a young quarterback, maybe groomed one, maybe like a Heineke type or whoever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they seem to be in a horrible position. I don't know what they're doing over there. It's really weird. It's they they just cut Janoris Jenkins. I know um, Hendrickson, who by the way the Jets are actually in on, and I, I think we're one of the favorites to land him. <clears throat> he, they they can't sign him, so he's gonna probably get maybe fifteen million somewhere. They can't afford to give him that. Uh, I know there was a lot of reports that they were gonna trade Lattimore. I don't know what his contract is. I thought he was gonna hit free agency, but I think he has maybe. One more year left on his contract, Lattimore, or did, uh, I don't know what the plan was, but they were gonna try to maybe trade him. They are, yeah, they're in a very, very interesting position cap wise. I mean, I think they're what fifty million under the cap right now. They're at like I, I don't know how you can get that bad, but uh, yeah, that's very interesting to see what they do and how many players they end up losing this this off season. I think at the bottom line is the Saints are probably destined for a total rebuild pretty soon. If it's not this year, they're probably going to try to go out and compete this year. But if you're talking about like two, three years down the line, I think you should expect them to tear it down and just try to rebuild. I mean, I trust that team. They have a very good front office. They're pretty good at finding talent uh, through draft, free agency, etc. Uh, they, they ended up getting a lot of uh, giant rejects, quote-unquote. Yeah, Eli Apple, I think, went there. Mm-hmm. That he had was there for like a year or two. Janoris Jenkins, and uh, unless I'm mistaken, one more guy from the uh, Giants went to the Saints. Unless I'm thinking of somebody else, but so I can't was, think of anybody else. Of so that was that was funny. Yeah. But uh, they yeah, Sean Payne's. I mean, he's he's a top five coach in the NFL. He's he's always in it. His offense is always good. I, I mean, they're. I I think they'll be fine. They probably could go through a rebuild, but I, I think they'll be pretty good. Yeah. All right. So let me let me ask Jav a question real quick. Jav, uh, the Giants cut Kevin Zeitler, probably our best offensive lineman. We didn't even talk about that yet. Yeah. Very questionable move. Uh, and it seems like they're gonna they're pretty set on resigning Solder, but like restructuring his con- not not resigning, but restructuring his contract. So he'll probably be uh, like a maybe a backup or maybe the writing the right tackle for the next year. And they also have to sign Leonard Williams. What do you what do you think the Giants are gonna do this offseason in terms of offensive line? Are they gonna get are they going to let Dalvin Thompson go? What do you think? I mean, we definitely need to look into uh, offensive line because, I mean, it hasn't been that great for the past couple of years. Mm. Um, that's definitely a big need in the offseason, but I'm not sure who's really on the market to look for at that position. I wouldn't mind, you know, an edge rusher, obviously. I've been saying that for the past couple of weeks, that I think the Giants need a good edge rusher. But, yeah, I think mainly this offseason should definitely be looking at offensive line and maybe – a wide receiver, but I think you can get a wide receiver in the draft. It's looking like at least. Yeah, for sure. What What do you think the Giants should do for the free agency? I think free agency will probably be quiet. I think you should expect a lot of one year deals, a lot of like one year seven eight million. That's probably what they're gonna do. Um, I'm really interested how they cut Zeitler, but didn't cut Solder. I think that's questionable because they cut Kevin Zeitler, who was a pretty solid guard, not a Pro Bowler by any means, but he was a, their best guard. Their best offensive lineman on a pretty bad offensive line. So to me, it didn't really make sense to cut him. I think 
they, they their best option was probably keep him and sign an additional guard or tackle or whatever to help it try to improve it. So very questionable. And he ended up going to the Ravens. Um, so it, I don't know. I mean, this offensive line, I mean, this is Dave Gettleman's biggest failure here. He promised to build the offensive lineup. He promised to bring in hog mollies. And year after year, it's been underperforming. Last year, they were like ranked 31st. I know it's young. We have a lot of young talent. We have, you know, Nick Gates played pretty well. We have Andrew Thomas, first round pick last year. Uh, Lemieux slated to be our left guard right now. He showed flashes of being pretty good, but still struggling because he's so young. So I don't know. I, th- I think they're banking on some of these young guys stepping up and playing better. They brought in Rob Salah, uh, Rob uh, Sale to be the offensive uh, coordinator, uh, the offensive line coordinator. So I think they're just banking on these young guys getting better. I expect them to really add a guard. I don't think they, they like Will Hernandez. He kind of got kicked out the starting rotation last year. So I expect them to probably go guard via draft or free agency. Um, just like a veteran, maybe an upgrade over Zeidler at a cheaper deal, maybe a one-year deal, less cap hit. And I think you're going to see a lot of like receivers in the second tier. Maybe Curtis Samuel, Elliott brought up uh, some other guys that they met. Like John Brown got released by the by the Bills. Maybe they bring him in on a one-year deal. Maybe someone just with a vertical threat. So I think the Giants offseason will be interesting, but not really targeting the high-end guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that's cut you off, but uh, Corey Lindsley uh has just agreed to terms with the Chargers. He should be going there. Wow, that's so that's another that's another big uh offensive lineman off the board for the that's Jets two and about under. Yeah, that's that's actually these guys. What do we are... think? What do we think about the Jets and Giants? It seems like they're reported to be on almost every free agent like together. Like Jets' problem is offensive line and receiver. Giants. Problem is offensive line and receiver. Just problem is a lot. We we got the corners, edge rush, offensive yeah. line, receiver. We don't we don't know we're doing QB yet. There's a lot of issues with the Jets. Yeah, yeah it also seems like that they might be bidding against each other at one point. At least it might be a top free agent, might be like a middle level free agent. It's definitely interesting. Um, Jets have a lot of money to spend. Do you yeah. think they'll they're going to be in the market for high end talent, Elliot? Uh. Yeah, I was seeing reports. Uh, Connor Hughes, um, he's like the Jets insider for the Athletic. He he was saying that well, uh, Joe Douglas doesn't really have like a limit, so he's allowed to spend as much as he wants. Uh, like the owner Woody Chris Johnson are not gonna like bother him. He gets all the decisions, which is great to hear. I mean, the the history of the Johnsons has not been great in terms of the way they meddle with uh, football operations, but so he's he plans on spending. From what I understand, however, he has like every GM has like a cap that he's not going to go over or an amount. And I mean, the Jets have already lost out on Tooney, on Lindsley. Those are two, I think, of the biggest names that we wanted to sign or that I personally would have wanted to sign. But yeah, I think uh, who's who else is a top guy left out there? Who, uh, I guess the, the rest of the top guys left have to be wide receivers. Uh, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay. Uh, well, in terms of edge Curtis rushers, Samuel before too. Curtis Samuel. He's not, I guess, considered a top guy, but he's somebody that's he's my top guy, at least in terms of scheme fit. I liked him. I was thinking about him on the Giants, too. I wouldn't mind that either. Uh, he's, he's, he can do a lot. He's also from... Uh, uh, South, yeah, he, he went to Erasmus. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, he was actually... He was a top, top guy at... Uh, 
Erasmus. He, he got scouted by Ohio State and everything from there. He was a running back, though, Erasmus. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, the Jets offseason, because I think they have so much money, but I don't expect them to spend like McCagnan has in the past, where it was just sign like four or five big free agents, give them a lot of money, and kind of screw yeah, yourself that over. Was, that was bad. I think Joe Douglas will probably take the approach of signing a bunch, like a more quantity over quality, which is not necessarily bad. But I think he'll probably just try to space the money out more instead of going for a bunch of top uh, options. Like he's not going to spend top dollar on an inside linebacker. Like he, like um, well, Mosley's uh, coming back actually. So yeah, Mike Mosley. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't expect him to sign a bunch of high-end uh, free agents. More maybe a bunch of mid-level uh, free agents. Hmm. Yeah. Well, look, uh, getting the top guy doesn't always work out. You don't have. To, I mean, Bradbury to the uh, Giants. He wasn't. I, I liked Bradbury, and he was the one of the top corners in the market last year. But that's because the cornerback market wasn't really strong last year. Mm-hmm. So he was, but I liked him. I wanted to just get him. Uh, I thought we had a chance actually, but you guys offered him a pretty decent amount of money. Uh, I was pretty surprised. Uh, and he, he had a great year. I mean, the guy wasn't all pro, but he was he was pretty close to it. I mean, the guy he, close to all pro year. And I don't think anybody really expected that. And that's yeah. Sometimes you know you can get the guy who isn't seen as the top top guy in his position, and they become it. And so for sure, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, NFL, you know, we're going to get a lot of uh, signings sprinkled in as we record this. We'll try to break them as quick as we can. Uh, I think you guys want to switch it over to maybe the MLB? Yeah, I don't mind. All right, so Elliot's a Yankee fan. Mm-hmm. Elliot, <laughs> I want to ask you something. Mm-hmm. Serious question. What do you think the expectations for the Yankees are this year? Uh, I mean, the expectations are the same basically as every year. Uh, if the Yankees aren't making... Uh, the ALCS, or at least the the World Series, uh, I mean, I think it's it's a flop. The Yankees are one of, if not the, what I wouldn't say the most talented team in the MLB, but we we're top three in level of talent. I mean, uh, assuming everybody's healthy, which you know always have to say assuming when it comes to the Yankees because we we have the health and athletic training staff that they, you know, from uh, from high school and stuff. So everybody gets injured. But assuming everyone's healthy, Judge, Glaber, the DJ, so he plays like an MVP candidate. Uh, Luke Voigt at first base. I think he's extremely underrated, Luke Voigt. Uh, I don't think he gets a lot of credit. He, he plays great. And he actually is one of the few people on that Yankees team that doesn't get injured. Gary Sanchez, uh, he didn't have a great year last year, but everybody knows his potential. Um... I'm not the biggest fan of Aaron Hicks. Uh, I think he's all right. Uh, I think he's a he's, he's solid at uh, center field. He plays good defense, S- switch hitter, which is never a bad thing. And you know he, he comes up clutch sometimes. So I'm not. I'm still not his biggest fan. Uh, and Giancarlo Stanton, and that's that's the starters. It normally would be the start. Oh, and uh, Urshel at third base. I mean, he became hitting wise. Look what he became, and the guys, uh, in my opinion, a top three. Uh, a top three defensive third baseman. I mean, I don't think he's better than Arenado or Chapman, but he's, he's, he's definitely up there. He's top three, top five. So he, something, and that's without Andujar. So he basically took Andujar out, and Andujar's rookie year was insane. So yeah, the, the talent level on the Yankees, hitting-wise, is phenomenal. Pitching-wise, Garrett Cole is a top five pitcher in the MLB. Uh, I, I, I want to say he's the best pitcher in New York, but I can't. I mean, come on. 
The Grob is the Grob. Finally, someone says it. Finally. A Yankee fan finally admits it. I've watched the Grob. I've watched Garrett Cole. I love Garrett Cole. The Grob is he's, he's a once-in-a-generation type pitcher. You watch this guy, there's something about him. It's like insane. It's like you can't even explain it. He's, the guy had a one. What, what was his ERA last year? One seven seven. Nah, last year was two, two. Like it was two, no, two, no. One one point seven seven was the year. Um, the first year of the so-called juiced balls, right? That was it. Was uh, two thousand eighteen, which was his first Cy Young. Yeah, that's 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 insane. It, he had a these sub three consistently sub three ERA. Sometimes even gets to sub two. He's, he, the ground's nuts. But all right, Elliot. Let me ask you something. If the Yankees want to win the World Series, what what needs to go right for them? Is it the starting pitching? Is it Gary Sanchez bounce back? Is it Aaron Judge staying healthy? What's the one key factor the Yankees need if they want to win the World Series or even make it? Look, honestly, you should we should technically say pitching because, look, our pitching has never been the greatest. Our rotation is pretty good this year and it was decent last year. However, honestly, it's, it's just hitting in the big moments. Uh, I mean, last year's Tampa Bay, uh, the Yankees-Tampa Bay game where Brousseau hit that... Uh, the the home run in the sixth off Chapman the game ended two one. I, yeah. They they hit we we scored one run. Yankees scored we scored one run in that game. I'm like sitting at the, like sitting there at Applebee's watching the game. I can't believe this. We got one run in, and and, yeah. and it, pitching wasn't the issue. We gave up two only two runs to a very good Tampa Bay team. Chapman look Chapman. I I want to say he kind of I'm not gonna say he choked for a second year in a row, but he technically did. But realistically speaking, again we should have scored more than one run. And that's yeah. what the issue was. If we can at least get three runs that game, that we won. We won the game yeah. if we could have gotten three games. So I think yeah. it's more, it's 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 hitting in big moments. If that happens, then there's realistically no reason we shouldn't make the World Series. Agreed. I think the Yankees pitching staff gets a lot of hate because it's not really a bunch of known names, really. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you and say that timely hitting has really been a, the, the real problem with the Yankees. You know, they're too, we already know they're really right-handed, and that seems to bite them in the butt come playoff time. And then they strike out way too much. They don't put the ball in play enough. You got Aaron Judge and Giancarlo and Sanchez and Claver, and they're great and everything. They're great players, but they just don't make enough contact. They strike out way too much. You, you see too many times first and second, no outs, and they're striking out, or they're not, you know, looking to go the other way, try to move runners over or anything. So I, I'm going to have to agree with you on that. I think that was a really good answer. A bounce back year for Gary would be good too. I think if he hits in the two sixties, I'll be happy. I mean, look, we know at the end of the day, we know what he is. He's a power guy. If I'm getting thirty home runs from him, ninety to a hundred RBIs, and hitting two sixty, I'll be over the moon. I mean, that's his defense is going to be his defense. It's gotten better, but I, I, I mean, he's going to be his, his defense is going to be what it is. But yeah. Uh, so let me get an outsider's perspective on the Mets. Because me and Jab mm-hmm. are both Mets fans, and we, mm-hmm. I think we feel very confident on the Mets. So my personal expectation for the Mets is I want to win the division, and I want to make a, a serious playoff push. I want to, I don't want to win the wild card and lose first round, like the first game, mm-hmm. you know? I kind of want to win the division, get to the DS. We're probably going to go up against Dodgers or Padres, depending on how, how that plays out. And I kind of want to get to the, cent- the, the championship series. As a Yankee fan, as an outsider, I, I know you're not that biased against the Mets. You're not a Met hater. Which is why I Never. ask you, do you think, from an outsider's perspective, how, what do you think about the Mets? Do you think we have a serious chance to win the division? Maybe even 
make a deep playoff push? I mean, you guys kind of have no choice. I mean, with all this hype around Cohen, it's like you 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 think that the Mets look. I I think Mets fans are extremely hype. I think Mets fans realize that World Series is still. I'd say maybe a year, maybe two years away, maybe a year or two. I mean, the talent's still, talent's there. I mean, just got the Francisco Lindor. You guys got the best shortstop in baseball right now. Or, well, top top three, top two. I mean, this guy Tatis is making a, <laughs> he's, he's making, making noise. Making a push for it. Yeah, but, I mean, Lindor was an insane signing. Um, I, I I know a lot of Mets fans got very upset when you guys didn't get Real Muto. I, I mean, McCann I thought was fine. I didn't see any issue with McCann. Hmm. But yeah, I mean, look, Pete Alonso is Pete Alonso. He didn't have a great year last year. I didn't count anything last year because it was a COVID year. It was really tough for a lot of players. So I didn't count too much. I still think Alonso is going to do well. So you got Alonso. Uh, Lindor now at, at a shortstop, second base. Uh, I think McNeil. is McNeil going to play there? Uh, yeah, I know he's, he's, he's most around. likely, yeah. So then who take? So third base for you guys is still going to be... J.D. Davis or maybe Diorme, who's having a great spring, yeah. <clears throat> Diorme, yes, have a very nice spring training. Uh, and then the outfield is not is not bad. Uh, who's uh, Dominic Tom Smith, Smith is probably going to play mm-hmm. left. Nemo uh, center, Conforto right. Nemo yeah. and then Conforto at our right. So Conforto, Conforto, I like. I mean, the guy's also uh you know, I'm always a big fan of homegrown people too. So I'm a little biased towards Nemo, uh, towards uh, Conforto. I'm not a Mets fan, but I like. I like Conforto, but yeah, the team the team has talent. It's it's, it's not there's no like and the pitching staff is one of the best in in baseball. I mean, one of the best. The Grom is the Grom. He's probably the best pitcher in baseball if we're being realistic. Syndergaard, if he's on it again, if he's on his top stuff, and you know none of the issues with him where you know he's got these attitude issues and this and that, and he's on his top stuff, then he's he's great. Showman's not bad. He can give you. Sub three. I mean, he had that sub three ERA with the Blue Jays that one time before he got traded. So he has the potential for that. And then who's the Carrasco guy? You guys got yes, and Carrasco is not bad. Unfortunately, we all know. Unfortunately, what happened with him? He still has the potential. I think to still be good. And then bullpen. Uh, look, bullpen's not phenomenal. It's it's it's. I mean, I think Lugo Lugo's good. I wasn't a fan of you guys making him a starter last year. I thought that was ridiculous. I don't know why you would make one of the worst bullpens in baseball even worse by turning him into a starter. Listen, he, I think every <laughs> single Met fan will agree on with you on that, except I, for Brody Van I, I didn't. I didn't get that one. I mean, the guy. Nobody did. But anyway, I think he's back. He's back bullpen. I don't know if he's your... Did you guys make him closer? Is he just a relief still? I, eighth, not, I think relief. he's going to be like a, a multi-in-in reliever, probably like a setup guy because he's so good. And he can go two innings. I think that's very valuable to come in seventh, eighth inning to set it up for Diaz. And the big, the big knock on Lugo is he can't pitch back to back. That's why he can't be a true closer. Because if you're if you're a closer, you need to be able to pitch back to back. If it's, you get back to back close games, you need that guy to come in and shut the door. And Diaz can't do that, even though he had a bad 2019. I think we've seen it. If you look at his career every year, but 2019, he's been an elite reliever. Even last Diaz? year, like a two. Yeah, Diaz. Diaz on the Mariners was great. Yeah, and then last year he was great too, a two point seven ERA. Well, that yeah, but the ERA thing with Diaz is a little misleading because I it, with Diaz it's weird. You can't put him in the big spots. He like he cracks, and uh, I mean, look, if you need him to, he he can be a solid closer, but do you know if you're down by one, you got a runner on first and second, one out. 
I mean, if you're up by one, runner on first and second one out, uh, you you trust Diaz in the game, or are you automatically assuming blown save? Uh, I wouldn't assume blown save, but I'm 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 shaking my leg a little bit if I see Diaz in there. Yeah, but, for sure. Uh, I, I think yeah, I think Mets can win the win the division. It's possible. Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, Atlanta's still Atlanta. They got a pretty good team. I, I'm not a big fan of theirs because like. I don't know. I don't see it with them. They got talent. They go far, but it's, it's they they like chokes to me. I don't. I'm not a fan of Atlanta. Mm. Uh, but they still they still got a talented enough team to win the division. I think the furthest Mets go. Uh, I think you guys could win a wild card game if you were to. Yeah, I think you could win a wild card game if you were to play it. And then yeah, uh, if you were to verse the Dodgers. I think Dodgers have a leg up. I think they beat you. Uh, if you were to verse the Padres, uh, still, I think you. There's, it's more. I think you can. You can. You can probably. You can maybe get past them. Maybe I. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on it. I think Padres would have a leg up still, but I think you could. I think there's a higher chance you guys beating the Padres than the Dodgers. So I could see. I, I could see NLDS, maybe, maybe NLCS. But again, it's weird because it's. I have not really seen. It's it's hard to predict. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let me switch it over to Jab. Jab, what do you think about this Mets team? Do you think the high expectations are warranted, or you think Mets fans should be a little bit more, uh, more set the bar a little lower? Well, you know, I'm not the biggest baseball guy, so what I could be saying right now is just like, you know talking on my ass. But <laughs> you know, I think the expectation uh, expectation should be high, just because you only have Lindor in a one year, and you know, you do want to keep him. Yeah. So I think, you know, I, I could see them winning a wild card game, and I think that could be enough to make him stay. I don't know for how long he'd be willing to commit for just a wild card win, but, you know, it shows that the team is making strides going forward, you know? Mm. So I think, uh, I think I don't know about, you know, making it to the World Series and shit, but uh, def- definitely, you know, winning division, I think, is a. Uh, something that they should do and even you know a wild card game or something like that i think it's uh something you should be looking forward to and i think i think it's possible i think make happen you yeah. uh you got a number in mind you pay uh lindor personally i think 300 mil is the number you have to keep an eye on because, how many years yeah. uh it's probably going to be 10 11 years yeah because lindor is only 20 he's not seven. he's not old yeah, yeah he's, he's only old. 27 he's got- and especially in baseball, I mean, he's got he's got quarterback years in the left at him yeah. <laughs> without getting hit. Yeah. I think when you when you look at Lindor extension, you're going to have to look at guys like Bryce Harper, what he got on the open market. He got 13 years. But realistically, it was just three, thir- it was 300 mil spaced out more. That's all it was. And then you look at Fernando Tatis extension, he got 300 mil. So you're going to have to look at some of these premium guys, what they get in the open market. And match it. You look at Manny Machado. We got ten for three hundred mil. I think that's what it's going to cost. If the Mets want to lower the years and up the value, they could do that. If they want only nine years but three twenty, or maybe they want to spread out the money more, so they give him three hundred mil over twelve years, just kind of keep the AAV lower. I but three hundred mil is definitely the number to keep an eye on. And I don't think he'll sign for anything less. Why would he? I mean, he's a top player about to enter free agency. I know. Baseball's kind of down with the spending, but we've seen that top players, when they hit free agency, they still get their money. You've seen Manny Machado, we've seen Bryce Harper, we've seen him in Strasburg. 
Fernando Tatis extension, Mike Trout extension, we see Mookie Betts extension. We see that if you're a premium player, you'll get the big contract. Might not be with the team that you're on, but you'll get it. Someone, someone will offer you 300 mil. And I think if they want to keep him, it's gonna, it's gonna take, it's gonna the first number is gonna start with three. That's my opinion. And I think that's a deal that has to get done because we traded a lot to get him, and a lot of the the way they this offseason went, he was the star piece in that trade, in, in the offseason. So you're gonna have to. It's, it'll be hard to say that the Mets are serious and it's a different Mets if they're letting a star player like Lindor leave in free agency. So oh. it. It's going to be tough. With, with Cohen there, I mean, he's got to, can't really, these aren't the Wilpons anymore. Money, money's obviously, look, no one ever, people like to say money's not an issue, but it, money's always an issue. You never want to give someone an insane, insane amount that more than what you want there. But with Cohen there, I mean, he, yeah, I, I can't see why I want to get done. Uh, I mean, he, he promised, what, three years, I think, until the World Series? It was three to five. Next three, three to five, yeah. So, I mean, he has, yeah, if you want, uh, Lindor's obviously has to be a piece of the puzzle. If that's what you wanted. I mean, I, I love Glaber Torres. I have his jersey hanging on my wall. I, I would have traded him for Lindor. I, I would have. I, I mean, especially as a Yankee fan, just having a lefty bat, which is what the Yankee, a great lefty bat, the Yankees haven't had since. Uh, Hideki Matsui? I, yeah, I was trying to think because uh, I, I, I didn't want to count switch hitters. So I didn't want to like, you know, to share or whatever. I didn't want to really kind of switch that. So yeah, I was going to say Hideki Matsui. And even look how huge he was in like the World Series. Mm-hmm. I mean, the World Series win. That's why I wanted uh, I wanted Brantley. I wanted the Yankees sign Brantley. I would have thought he hits above 300. Mm-hmm. He's He can hit, he can hit for power if you need him to. Yeah, he would have been would've great. Been a good a fit, lefty, yeah. lefty bat like him would have been great, especially at Yankee Stadium, which I mean, I could probably hit a home run in Yankee <laughs> Stadium if we're being fair. <laughs> Adam and I played little league. I think a uh, summer of uh, going into high school, they added and it hit one home run, then it hit one deep bob. I could probably hit a home run at the Yankee Stadium, but yeah, you just got to get it in the air. It's a right field, and it'll probably go. <clears throat> it's yeah. It's so it's unfortunate. Yeah, so a lefty again, Lindor. Yeah, he's he's a stud. For as, as far as the Mets go, if they do, if they don't win the division and they make the wild card in a one game series. Personally, I think no team wants to verse the Mets in a one-game series because no. we have the advantage that nobody else has, and we have the best pitcher in baseball. If you want a one-game series, getting DeGrom versus DeGrom in a one-game series is going to be extremely tough because you already know he's going to go out there, and he's probably going to hold you to like one, maybe two runs, and that's over like six, seven innings. So I personally think that if we get to the wild card, it might be even an advantage for us because we have the best pitcher in baseball. It's only one game. Uh, but I, at the end of the day, I'd rather not even play the wild card game, not even risk it, and just try to win the division. So I think Mets are in a good spot. I think playoffs is almost like a must. It would be an absolute failure if they don't. And I also want to see us make a deep run on, in the playoffs. So that's that. Uh, and you guys want to talk about basketball for a little bit? I know we're coming off the... All-Star game, so there hasn't really been a lot of games played. But what do you guys think of uh, the Knicks so far? They went 1-1. One one. They got spanked by Milwaukee. And then they came back and they beat um, the Thunder without Shea Gilgis-Alexander. What do you guys think about the Knicks? You know, there's only two games after uh, All-Star break. So, I mean, it's kind of early to start uh, assuming stuff. But uh, the Knicks have probably one of the hardest schedules, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they're up there with one of the hardest, yes. Yeah, I think it's like top five. Strength of schedule. So, I mean, if there's any time to, you know, 
bulk of Dallas are, you know, playing good. This is the time. They did get beat by Milwaukee pretty bad, but they bounced back. They beat them by 22. And, you know, it's without Shea Gilchrist Alexander, but it's still a good bounce back game for the Knicks because OKC isn't a bad team. You know, they're not, like, terrible. Yeah. They're not, like, Detroit and shit is what I'm trying to say. But you have a game today against the Nets. I think that's big. Huge I think game. I got to see how that game plays mm-hmm. out. This is this is going to be a huge game for the Knicks because yeah. even though it isn't the playoffs or anything, it's still a huge game in the sense that this is, you know, Knicks fans really want this win. They want, really want to beat the Nets, and the Nets kind of want to prove themselves to New York and beat the Knicks. And I, is Kevin Durant missing the game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. So, He's still out for, I think, two more weeks. Yeah, so if the Knicks want to beat the Nets, now is the time to do it. Their best player is out, you know, so it's going to be an interesting game. Um. Elliot, what do you think about Emmanuel quickly? And uh, do you think he'll eventually get the start? Does he start tonight? Like, D. Rose has been out. We don't even know really why. It's fa- it's personal reasons, but COVID reasons. It's really like weird. And Alfred Payne's doubtful. Do you think Emmanuel quickly makes his start uh, today? Uh, I love, First of all, I love quickly. I mean, he's, he's so far my favorite player. I mean, the guy's our sixth man. And he's, he comes in. It's automatic spark. He's, he's a little inconsistent. I mean, he can shoot, what? 10 for 14 one night, and then 1 for 20 the next. So he still needs to work on consistency. But do I think he starts? No. Uh, I, I think I think Nilakina probably gets to start over him. Could be wrong. I would love to see quickly start. But I think I think the Knicks see him as Lou Williams. Uh, I think they see him as sixth man. He'd be plays like Lou Williams too. But I think for at least this year, they see him as a sixth man, a spark off the bench. Uh, they'll let him develop. Uh, he still gets pretty good minutes off the bench. He gets... Uh, 20 minutes a game 20. off the bench. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. I'm, I wouldn't complain, really. He's a rookie. He's getting pretty good minutes. Um, uh, I love quickly. Uh, I would hope... Uh, I want to see a little more on Toppin, since they're kind of on the topic, I guess, of quickly of rookies. Uh, I would I would want to see a little more from Toppin. He's developing, but, uh, I mean, he's our number five pick. You kind of hope a little more from him. Mm. Number but, eight. Was it the oh number eight? That's right. I don't know why I kept thinking number five. The Cleveland pick five. Mm. Yeah, I don't know why I kept thinking number fifth pick for Uh, yeah. So he's regardless top ten pick. I I mean, look, the guy came from Dayton, so you gotta you know you gotta give up some time to transfer for to kind of the NBA from like Dayton. Let's be real, mm-hmm. Dayton was really a serious college, so he needs time to develop. But uh, you know, I would still like to see more. But no, I don't. I don't think quickly starts though. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you, Elliot, on the quickly and the quickly uh point, because we seen Frank get denied yesterday or yes two days ago, um and he only got like five minutes. Then he did play. He started off the game pretty poor, and Tom Thibodeau was very quick with the hook. And pretty much since then, we've seen quickly play the major the rest of the game. And I think uh I think the Frank leash is really tight, and I think we're gonna see quickly probably start it off. Uh, he's probably gonna get the start, I believe, and then off the bench, we'll probably see either Burks play the point, or we'll see a rotate uh, a lineup where Julius Randle will run the point, and we'll probably put a bunch of shooters, Burks, Bullock, um, maybe they do Ob and Randle uh, front court, just to try to space it out more. But I think I think there's a very good chance uh, quickly starts this game. I think this is a point win. I think Tom Dibble really wants to win. We've seen how he doesn't really trust Frank. That's pretty evident. He doesn't really trust him. Um, and I think he's going to ride the hot hand. Quickly, he's been hot. He's been pretty good for us this year. And he, you could definitely tell he's a Thibodeau favorite. 
Yeah, well, going against the Knicks, we're going up against possibly one of, if not one of the best backcourt, if not one of, if not the best. It's definitely but, the best, yeah. So, like, realistically speaking, I mean, I could see Frank getting the nod for just for pure defense. I mean, he's going to probably try to shut down Kyrie or Harden, whichever he wants. Frank quickly could play great defense, too, but, you know, Frank is literally just there for defense. I mean, yeah, I see nothing more in Frank but defense, but... See, I know, but I know Thibodeau really likes his veterans, so that's why I'm still a little iffy on if him given, given quickly the uh, the nod. But maybe I'm wrong. I'm hoping I'm wrong. Mm. Uh, Jav, what do you think? What do you think about the Knicks' um, chances of making the playoffs? Do you think? Do you think they can uh, make the playoffs with the how the roster is constructed right now? Oh uh, yeah, I definitely think they can. I think me and you talked about it. I think their like ceiling is like the seventh seed which is what they're at right now. And, like, I, I could see them squeaking into the playoffs. I mean, who is it? Toronto, Chicago, and the Pacers are right behind them. And then Atlanta's eighth seed. I think uh, I think this game is going to be telling, you know, see how they play against the team. It's probably one of the best teams in the league. And, you know, if the Knicks can pull out a win, you know, I could see um them having a good run this second half of the season and making it into the playoffs as a low seed. Yeah. I think when you, when you look, start looking at playoff teams, you can start seeing uh, like statement wins and must win games and like iconic wins of the season. Right. Cause you don't just luck into the playoffs. Really. You have to try to earn it. And I think this Nets game could be that statement win for the, the Knicks and say, no, we're, we're a playoff team. We're a good team. And it would be all over the news. ESPN and everybody would be talking to if the Knicks won, and it would be just great mojo and great motivation and great momentum. To I mean, let's be, be honest, I don't think anybody's going to be talking about how the Knicks won. They're going to be talking about how the Nets lost. You think so? Uh, that's you know, that's just how it is. Everyone's you know, New York Knicks are like you know, still a joke to a lot of like talking heads, and mm. Nets aren't. Nets are like that team. I, th- I think it's also just because like if we're being real, the Nets are the best team, and I mean they're they're the best team in the NBA right now. If everybody expects them to go to the finals, I mean, I expect them to go to the finals. They they should win it. I mean, especially if uh, their only real competition out of the West uh, is is what the 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 Lakers, because in the AD he's still out for two weeks. He's going to be reevaluated in two weeks. I mean, it doesn't even look like even if he's back, who knows if he's going to be a hundred percent. The Lakers without AD is nothing serious, and the Jazz. I don't, I don't buy the Jazz like that. I, I like them. I think they're, you know, a fun team to watch. They're not a winning team. I don't think they win. So realistically speaking, and I think, I, I think the Knicks make the playoffs. I, I do. I, I sincerely, I think we have to. We've gotten in too far that we're not going to get the first pick if we like don't make the playoffs. I mean, Cade Cunningham's out of our reach. Uh, we have to make the playoffs. I think we do. I think we do sneak in seventh seed, maybe eighth seed at worst. If the playoffs were to start right this second, we place the Nets. They're probably sweeping us. Realistically speaking, the Nets are sweeping us. We can maybe, maybe sneak one game in. Maybe. Let's be, like, optimistic. So I don't think we get far in the playoffs. But, yeah, I, I do think we make it. Yeah, listen, I think if the Knicks... If we're talking about, like, the ESPN, the talking head, Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, if the Knicks win, you already know that the big excuse is going to be, like, Knicks won, but KD was out. And that's and that's gonna they're gonna try to like downplay the win, but even with KDI, I know it's a huge loss, but they still have James Harden, Kyrie. So a win against the Nets isn't like it's easy. They're still a great team. They're still a top 
five, six, top five team in the East without KD. So I think it should definitely be a statement win, and it should be treated like one, even if KD's out. They they plan on making Blake Griffin a small ball uh, center off the bench too. So that's a oh yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a fan of Blake Griffin anymore. I, I think he started caring too much about fame instead of basketball. But I, I mean, if he's back on his top self, I mean, having him off the bench is not bad at all. So that's that's gonna be something. All right, here's a question for both of you guys. I know I've been asking a lot of questions, but I was looking at it, and I was looking at, like, all pro team, all NBA teams, right? And I was looking at Randall and what his chances were. So, you obviously, LeBron's going to make it, most likely Giannis. But I was looking at it. Anthony Davis has missed a lot of, lot of time. KD missed a lot of time. So, there's a chance that they might not make it if they miss a third or half the season because they both missed, like, 20 games each. What do you think Julius Randle has to do to try to crack an All NBA team? Because is it does he have to keep playing at this level or even better? Does the Knicks have to win, make a certain seed, or does it is it more mostly on KD and AD and those guys have to start missing more time? I'll start with Jav. Jav, what you think? I think if Randle plays at the same level that he's playing right now, I don't I don't see why he shouldn't make All NBA second or third team. Because I mean. He's been having an amazing season. Mm. He should. Uh, he definitely deserves the recognition. I think if the Knicks make the playoffs, I think it just strengthens his case even more. Because you know he just has he stumbles into this amazing season and he make the playoffs. So I mean, you know, why not? Especially if all the all these forwards are not playing at the moment. I don't see why Julius Randle shouldn't make an All NBA team this season. My only knock on that is when it comes to voting in the NBA for All Star Game or the All NBA teams. They usually almost always pick the names, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. There's well, definitely... I mean, like you said, LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. Giannis. Mm-hmm. That's probably the first team right there, right? Two forwards, yeah. So, like, Kawhi, right? Kawhi's probably going to make it. Paul George, maybe. Paul George, having a good, Paul George is having a decent year. Uh, Luka. Luka's doing Luka pretty well. Luka, he's a guard, right? Are they counting him as guard? It's uh, he made it as a guard for the All Star game, so I'm hoping they count oh, him as a guard. Kind of... But Luca's an interesting one for sure, and Bede will probably make it as a forward. He has to make it as he has to make it as forward. You think he's gonna make it as power forward instead of center? I I think they just do it two forwards, right, and three guards. Yeah, it's two forwards and one center. No, that's two forwards and one center, and then no, wait, three forwards and two guards, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Sabonis so is probably gonna make it. You think over Randall though? I mean, I'm just saying people that, that have chances. Okay. Uh, I don't th- I think suppose, I don't think the Pacers are doing good enough for Sabonis to get recognition. I, I agree with Javid. I think the Knicks have to make the playoffs for Randall to get like serious consideration. If the Knicks make the eight seed, does Randall get the nod, or does he have to? Do the Knicks have to finish at least six seed for Randall to to get a nod? Because winning is definitely important to his chance of getting it. I think. You know, if- I think we have to hit seventh at least seventh seed for him to really get because. If we hit seventh, you can you can truly say like he was a absolutely he was a big part of it. I'm not gonna say he's the only reason. I, I think our team defense is great, and that's part of the reason I think Thibodeau's done amazing as coach. But like yeah, I, Randall's been a pretty big part, and I think we need to hit at least seventh for him to get his serious recognition. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jeff? No, I, I agree. Like I said, make playoffs. Keep this same play that he's been playing, guys, because he's had like he's putting up great numbers, amazing season, the whole season. Like he hasn't really let up on that part. So, 
why why not give him the nod? You know, he definitely deserves it in New York. It would be good for New York to have a all NBA player after so long. And, so I, uh, I got a question. Um, go ahead. I, was, I got a question for you guys. This was actually going to talk about KD since you kind of brought him up not playing. Uh, do you think it was very, very bad on the Nets and Steve Nash to have? Because I remember KD played those back-to-back 45-minute games or like it was like a double overtime or something. He played a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. You guys think it was bad on them to have him play that much knowing he just came off a torn Achilles? Like, did you think those wins were really worth it, you know, risking him like that? Yeah, no, he, he definitely shouldn't have played. I mean... Because, I mean, look at what happened now. He's been out for... Yeah, exactly. Like, now he's hurt, you're missing him. They're already, you know, pretty much a lock for, like, a top seeding in the East. And even if they don't get a top seeding, you know, they could do what LeBron did when they got, like, the fifth seed, I think, that one fucking year. Played Indiana... Still made it all the way to the playoffs because all their players were healthy. Mm. Uh, I don't think it was worth playing KD in that game, especially like you said, he came off an Achilles injury, which is a you know very big injury, especially for someone like him who moves around as much and is tall as fuck. You know, yeah. like injuries are serious for that that kind of shit. Yeah, I agree. I think I don't like how Steve Nash has handled KD at all. Like, like he's coming off a serious injury. This is his first season coming back after you know tearing it. Um, I kind of kind of question what were they thinking like i understand you want to get chemistry you want to build chemistry with the team and you want to get as high seating as you can that way it's an easier playoff run but he's your star player he's your best player i think they definitely messed up i mean does he did he need to play 40 back-to-back 40 minute games no he didn't he really didn't and i think they definitely are suffering it from those decisions now and you're him playing those 40 minutes to build chemistry, costed you guys two, three weeks of playing games where he could have built chemistry, playing only 30-ish minutes a game. So I think the whole, how they handled Kevin Durant was, was really bad and kind of surprising. I thought they would probably keep keep him more fresh. I thought I was expecting more off days, more limited minutes and stuff, but they really haven't. They kind of ran him out there like he's been healthy his whole career and he wasn't coming off an injury. So very questionable how they handled Kevin Durant. Yeah, that was that was. Uh, I would have thought he would have been on Kawhi level load management, but yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Guy came off a Achilles injury. Some people don't even really come back from those. Look at look at Clay. I mean, he got the Achilles injury, and then more he injuries piled up. Yeah. And who it's knows tough. how he'll be when he comes back? Definitely, definitely uh, tough. Um, any guys, any talk? You want guys want to talk about maybe potential targets for the Knicks? Because. Right now in the NBA, right now it's the main story is like where's Andre Drummond gonna go? It sounds like the Cavs are can barely get a second round pick for him, uh, even though he's a pretty that. good player. And I've seen Knicks and Nets reported. Where do you think he ends up going? I know we talked about this before, but I think now we're starting to see uh, the decision kind of closer to happening. Uh, I mean, first of all, I can't believe they can't get a trade with Drummond. I, I think the only reason teams aren't you know biting is because they know once like he's just going to buy out his contract when trade deadline's over and they can sign him without giving up any picks or any players or whatever i I think i mean the favorites were what nets and lakers Mm. uh i I thought nets were the favorite i mean they signed blake Uh, i mean i don't think that should cut into andre drummond's Uh, i mean having andre drummond there would be insane like that they have to win i mean drummond there grabbing what 12 13, 14, 15 boards a game. 
they they can shoot their lights out all they want. Harden, Kyrie, Durant can shoot for the stars, and they know they're getting the ball back if they miss. So, mm. uh, the Knicks getting him? No, I, I don't really want him. I mean, I don't. He doesn't. He doesn't really add to anything. Like he's, we basically have Mitchell Robinson is like as of right now, Mitchell Robinson's a poor man's Drummond. Like he he won't score as many points as Drummond, but he'll he'll you know he'll he'll get around he'll try to get around the same amount of rebounds. Like I can I can get twelve rebounds out of Mitch, hopefully. Like if he's on it, Drummond's a little more obviously more consistent and obviously the better player. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't really want Jordan. He doesn't add to winning. I, I don't see him being like a player that just adds to a team that's not already like set, like the Lakers or like the Nets. So no, I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't go for him if I was the Knicks. What do you think? Yeah, signing signing Andre Drummond to the Knicks kind of stunts that development that you want for Mitch. Yeah, that you've been working on for the past couple of years. I think you know the Nets should definitely go heavy into getting Andre Drummond because they need that big man in the paint. I mean, they have DeAndre Jordan, but. You know, it's DeAndre Jordan. He's not. He's not like the same player he was. Yeah. Coming up from the Clippers when he was one of you know one of the best defensive centers, and he can grab every rebound. You know. Jordan off the bench. Yeah, Jordan off the bench and Drummond as a starter would be pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be like great. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. DeAndre Jordan is not what he used to be. I'm gonna disagree with you guys on the Drummond and the Knicks because yeah, fuck you then because <laughs> um. Not that I personally want him, but I think the Knicks will try to upgrade because I think we said the same thing about the Derrick Rose trade. It doesn't really do anything. It might stunt the growth of another young guard that we have. And look at, looking back on that trade, that was a great trade because Derrick Rose, when he's played, he's been great for us. Um, I think the thing is, though, um, I think Drummond, getting Drummond in here to kind of push Noel out and maybe even flipping him to get an additional asset might be smart. Because if you think about it, if you sign Drummond for, let's just say 10 mil, just a random number, that's 10 mil you spend on him and you could flip Noel for a second. It kind of seems like you just bought a second round pick at that point. And he's a better player than Noel, at least offensively. And the Knicks definitely need offense. So if you sacrifice a little defense, get a better offense, maybe help the first unit or the second unit out. So I think the Knicks will be involved. I think that's how their front office will probably view it. As like an upgrade, you know, because they need more talent. They don't have a lot of talent. And he just getting good players, even though it might not fit perfectly, I think it makes sense. And then as far as Mitchell Robinson goes, he's out right now. Not really sure when he comes back. And when he does come back, how long does it take to get reacclimated with the team and get a game speed? So I think uh, I think the Knicks will probably be in it. And I wouldn't be too surprised if, if Leon Rose uh, and Scott Perry and them go aggressive on Drummond. That'll be interesting. Having him in uh New York, but yeah, I, don't know. I I wouldn't I wouldn't be too much a fan of that move, but we'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. But not to not to take away from basketball real quick, but uh, uh Joe John uh John Johnson the third the with the Rams safety just signed uh with the Browns three years thirty three million. He was the third rated safety on PFF. So that's a pretty big move for them. Good move, yeah. We're we're getting a lot of uh. NFL signings right now. Uh, what do you guys? Uh, what do you guys think about the NBA? How it's constructed? I mean, you know, very top heavy. As you can see, the past couple of years, there's only been like two teams winning, and then those teams end up falling off, or someone leaves, and then it's only another two teams winning. I mean, you know, it's kind of boring to watch after a little while. 
so, you know, at the at first that Golden State Cleveland series kind of was fun, especially when it was back and forth. But then they signed KD, and it just wasn't fun anymore. <laughs> and it's like, well, I mean, who who the fuck's gonna beat them? And then you know, I mean, the Raptors did it, but KD got hurt. Clay got hurt too. Then in the middle yeah, of the series, yeah, you're right. so it was you already know it was, it was over for them. But yeah, it's, uh, that, that was cool to see the Raptors win. You know, a, a different team out of left field. Kawhi making sure nobody three peats ever. <laughs> it's cool. I like seeing that. Yeah, it's pretty. It's super team. It's a super team dependent league where uh, I mean, well, last year I wouldn't have called the Lakers a super team, not not on the level of like what Cleveland was when LeBron was there. Not on the level, definitely not in level with the Warriors were. Not even on the level of what the Heat were, but, you know, LeBron's there, AD's there. It's two superstars, two of the best players in their position. You can, I guess, make the argument super team. That's basically what the NBA is all the time. It's just, And now the Nets are now the super team. If they're good, they can win what they can possibly three-peat when they should win at least one. They have to. If they don't, that's a huge, 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 huge failure and disappointment. I mean, that's just like normal Nets behavior right there. They never but uh, I mean, I think think about the Lakers. You know, you can view them as not a super team, but they're very well constructed, like top to bottom, where they have good depth at every position. So I think that's kind of what puts them over the edge, as opposed to other super teams from like before. Hmm. Do you guys think it's weird how the the kind of like the narrative is that it's going to be Lakers and Nets, and it's a super team? It's like a two man race, pretty much. But when you look at the standings, Jazz are in first place. Suns are in second. Nobody's talking about them. And you got the 76ers in first place cruising in 27 and 12. How come nobody's talking about those teams when it comes to um, being a finals uh, contender? Uh, again, I think it's the idea of a super team. I mean, the Jazz are good, but who on the Jazz can you say will take over? If they need somebody to take over, you could say Donovan Mitchell, but I, I mean... I don't think anyone sees him as that guy that will like is a super like he's a star, but he's not the takeover like guy that like puts fear in every team when they race him. So, I mean, with with AD, if AD doesn't play, I don't see the Lakers making the final anyway. So, I'm curious how it hap- how it plays out in the West. But yeah. and the Phoenix, I don't know. I guess just because it's Phoenix, nobody really has any faith in them. Seventy six is interesting. I mean. I, I don't think they beat the Nets in a seven-game series, to be honest. They could probably beat them. They could probably maybe take it to six with them, maybe even take it to game seven. I, I, but I think Nets, I think Nets still regardless win that series. Yeah, I mean, it's just some of the best scorers in the league right now on the same team. That shit is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, Kyrie's efficiency is nuts. James Harden is James Harden. And Kevin Durant's seven feet. I could shoot the ball with such ease that it's like it shouldn't even be legal. Yeah, no. We're watching that series, the final series last year when KD was in. It was just like every shot. Like when you watch KD, it's like you you just feel like every shot's gonna go in. Sometimes you know. It's it's really weird watching him play. I think it's I think the I think it's interesting that in terms of the NBA in general, I think it's interesting how the regular season's kind of like preseason. And then real basketball starts when playoffs start, and that's when yeah. the teams start going. Yeah. Like the 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 regular season is almost so diluted that it should honestly be started. Be, yeah, should honestly be considered like exhibition games at this point, because nobody really takes 
regular season that serious in the NBA. It's just make playoffs and then beat whoever you have to beat. Yeah, I mean, hopefully you get good seeding, play against, like, a weaker team. That's kind of what you're hoping for anyway in the regular season. But, like, even, like, I mean, even LeBron says, you know, he only plays seriously in the playoffs. That's, like, a zero dark 30 shit, which is, like, so stupid. He, I never yeah, I never got that. I mean, it's worked, it's worked out for him. Well, yeah, but why is he going to announce it every year? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's know, what I don't understand. If, it's if, pretty if, funny. If the season ended right now, Jazz would be probably reversing the Mavericks. While the Lakers would be versing the Trailblazers, and if I was the Lakers, I would much rather verse the Mavericks, where it's kind of a one-man show, than the Trailblazers, who are like scorching hot right now. So I think, I think, I think they start. They should start taking more the regular season more seriously because Lakers versus Trail. You would much rather verse a team like the Spurs, the Mavericks, or even the Warriors in the ninth seed than the Trailblazers. You know, so. What do you what do you guys think? Like, do you think the Lakers should? Do you think these top teams should start caring more? Especially, let's just say a scenario happens where the Lakers lose to the Trailblazers, when they could have versus Dallas or Warriors. I mean, did they lose to the Trailblazers last year? They kind of fucked on them last year. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's all about what team gets hot, you know. And that's true, but I mean, they kind of just shit on every team in the West last year in the playoffs. Whoever they played against, it didn't really matter. I think true I think Lakers need AD, and uh, this past offseason that happened in the NBA. I mean. Uh, I didn't think the Lakers were going to get better. They ended up, they should, well, on paper, they got better. They added Montrez Harrell for, well, only $9 million a year. So he comes off the, the six-man year he just won. He's, now he's on Lakers. Dennis Schroeder they added, which was big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, LeBron's still there. And, I mean, if AD was healthy, the Lakers would still be feared. Without AD, though, I think that team is, it's, it's a regular team. It's a beatable, it's a beatable, beatable team. Even with LeBron's zero dark 30 in the playoffs thing. It's, I mean, no. that's you know that's what people have been saying, but I mean, LeBron took a lot of those Cavs teams to the playoffs when people were hurt, and to the to the finals when people were hurt. When Kevin Love was injured, Kyrie got hurt too. Yeah. He was still willing them teams to the playoffs. It's, I mean, that's just LeBron. You can never count him out. I feel like sometimes. So pretty much saying, it's Nets and Lakers. That's the only team we believe in, and nobody does anybody here believe in the Seventy Sixers making a playoff run. They've been playing great. They have an MVP on their team, at least a front runner. They've been playing good. Their defense is really good. They rebound really good. Does anybody believe in the 76ers? And if not, why? I, I have some faith in them. I think I think um, they're probably going to run it all the way until they see uh, the Nets. And the Nets one is going to get interesting because that's the first time that that team's been in like a playoff situation together. I mean, not James Harden and KD because they've been in the playoffs together. But you know that group of that group of players. So I mean that should be an interesting series. But I do think the Nets will take it, playing how they're playing right now. But like you said, it's all about who gets hot in the playoffs. What do you think, Ali? Do you think there's an avenue for the 76ers to make a, a finals appearance? A playoff push, a finals appearance. Um, I think they can make. I mean they they can make the Eastern Conference Finals. They if the they're the first seed right now. If the season were to end right now, they play the Hawks. Correct? They would. Yeah, play Hawks. They, they yeah. they're beating the Hawks. Uh, well, they would beat the Hawks, and then they would have to verse either like whoever Heat or Charlotte or something. Yeah, well, they'll be yeah. He he's interesting because he has been injury has experienced a lot of injuries. That's why they haven't been doing so well. A fully healthy Heat though can I, I think it seriously give trouble to 76ers. I mean they the Heat can shoot 
the lights out. I mean, Hero, Hero's been struggling, but if he's at his best, which I think he could be by playoffs time, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy Butler. But I don't know if they would give 76. I think 76 is make Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe. that I think that's the best they go. I don't think they make the, the finals. I don't think they get past the Nets if they were to see them. Hmm. I think it would be, I, you know, I think it'd be interesting matchup Nets versus uh, 76ers if that does happen because when you look at the matchup itself, like the Nets are better talented, but I think it's a tough matchup for the for the Nets because who's gonna stop who's gonna stop Joel Embiid? You know, yeah, like that's a serious point. problem. Who's gonna help? Who's gonna box him out? Who's gonna you know help him? Uh, you know, try size him up when he's in the paint. And in terms of their defense, like I know the Nets have a great offense. But the 76ers have a great defense. I mean, they have Ben Simmons. They have Joel Embiid. Tobias Harris is solid. They have a bunch of, like, 3 and D guys. You know, it could be a tough matchup. I, honestly, personally, I don't think you should sleep on the 76ers. I think that's a tough matchup for the Nets just because of how both teams are constructed. Well, yeah, I, 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 look, I don't think the Nets are going to sweep the 76ers. I think the Nets' defense is so bad that, like, they can they can literally give up a game or two to some seriously good teams like 76ers. But I think that offense is just so well set up that they're even going to gel even more once playoff time hits. That, you know, it's... it's, And it seems like Harden seems to be on a mission. I mean, with the way this guy's playing now, he he wants a ring. This guy, he's on a mission. It's just, uh, he's become the, the play that he's a hell of a player right now. The guy's averaging a triple-double since joining the Nets. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's not played around. Mm-hmm. If the season ended right now, who would win MVP for? Would it be hmm. James Harden? Would it be Embiid, Giannis? What do you guys think? Season ended right now. I think I'm gonna take Embiid. I know he just got hurt, but uh, I think he he's been having a monster season and it's been showing in the record. I think Embiid's gonna would take the yeah would take the playoff trophy. I mean the MVP trophy right now. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get a vaccine right now. My bad. Hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, what? I got one. Let's go. All right. Wow, on. breaking news. What we say? Breaking let's news. Let's, let's go. Good shit. Thank what you, do you think, Elliot? You think Embiid gets it? Embiid. Uh, I think, I don't know, because I think he would get it only for the reason that a center hasn't won in so long that people would just think it's really cool that a center would get it and just, you know, he would get the votes. Realistically speaking... Harden should probably be the MVP. Uh, I mean, with the way he's... I mean, well... I think Nets Harden should be MVP. The way he played it, like, he had a couple... You know, I guess because of his Houston time, they're probably not going to give it to him. Curry's playing nuts, but because his team's not doing well, you know, usually the team has to be good for you to get seriously considered. Uh, I mean, again, I'd give it to Harden, but... Like, yeah. And Beat's probably going to get it, yeah. Do you think it's a little contradictory how the NBA works? How they determine All Star appearances, All NBA teams, and MVPs based on the regular season. Meanwhile, we just said that the regular season's kind of watered down, and people don't try as hard. Do you think? Do you think that maybe NBA should explore that idea that they should include the playoffs when those talks? Because the regular season getting less and less competitive. Just because just the fact that people load manage, people don't take it as serious. Do you think they should start counting playoff appearances? I mean, like, playoff uh, games as towards the those uh, voting considerations? 
I mean, they already give out the they already give out the MVP trophy at the award show, which is after the playoffs. For some reason, I don't know why they started doing that. I guess just to make more money. So I mean, why not include the playoff performances? But I mean, I mean, hmm. It I mean, I feel like, like LeBron would probably win it almost every year if that's what would end up happening. Realistically speaking, LeBron is. Yeah, the it would best just be whoever wins the finals MVP, right? Would just be MVP. No, MVP I think it, the... how they would do it is just regular season and playoffs. So, like, it's both. Like, I understand what you guys are saying, but I just think, you know, like, basketball is at its best. You you see real teams come together in the playoffs. The regular season is more of, like, guys just doing, like, going to work every day nonchalantly. And then when the playoffs come, they hit, they hit another notch. That's where you see the real star players from the fake star players and superstars versus stars. Versus all stars, you know, so you think you think that should hold weight to anything, you know? I think if we were to add playoffs, I think people would focus way too heavily on the playoffs instead because of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. They're not going to take the regular season as serious. Like it's just going to be playoffs where they really, really, really take serious, and it would be it would also, I guess, be a little unfortunate to like players like Devin Booker. I mean, he's not an MVP candidate, but I don't think he's made the playoffs once since he's been in the NBA, and he's a very good player. So players like him that are just on shitty teams wouldn't like get consideration. I don't know. I, I think they would focus way too heavily on the playoff performances instead of regular season or like making it fifty fifty. I think it's interesting that um let's just say Embiid would be the MVP right now, right? But mm-hmm. if he wasn't if he doesn't play good in the playoffs and doesn't carry his team to finals, was he really the best player that that year? You know what I'm saying? But uh, no, I get what you're saying, I agree, but but that's what I'm saying. Like, then basically playoffs would hold the most, if not all, the weight. Then, uh, uh, if Joel and B, for example, averages like 50 points a game for the regular season, makes the playoffs, and then you know, three points a game. Or no, okay, let's be a little more realistic. And then he drops down to, for example, 20 points a game. 20 points a game is still not terrible. But if you're expecting a guy, I mean, if he was averaging 50 points a game in the regular season. And then he started averaging 20 points a game in the playoffs. You know, you're probably thinking, all right, like he's just a 20 point a game guy. And he's nothing more than that. And like 20 points a game, realistically speaking now, doesn't hold that much weight in the NBA. And, you know, you're just going to completely ignore his whole regular season insane stats. And you're just going to focus on his playoffs. So like, you know, it creates a serious imbalance, I think. Yeah, I understand. But I think the argument is that if he's averaging 50 minutes a game, I mean, 50 points a game in the regular season, but when playoff mm-hmm. comes and teams start playing more seriously, and he's only averaging 20 against t- tougher competition, shouldn't he get knocked for that? Or, uh, he should. or let's just say, like, let me just, MVP is pretty much based on, you have to be a great player with individual stats, and you have to mm-hmm. be on a winning team. Yeah. But why doesn't the winning continue into the playoffs? Why doesn't it, why doesn't the stats continue into the playoffs when it's against better competition, better when the games matter more, when, you know, teams are usually playing to win all the time? Wasn't that a word just the finals MVP award? No, I'm just saying, like, in general, though, like, if you already count regular season winning, like, you have to at least win, be a top five seed to win MVP award. Like, if you're not even making the playoffs, chances are you're not going to make win the finals MVP. But why does it, why does the cutoff in the regular season and not when the playoffs when the games even matter even more? 
Well, to be fair, like you're never gonna verse the absolute best team every single day. Like in the playoffs, you're versing the best of the best. Yeah, in so a seven game be, series, it should be counted more. Technically speaking, it, it should, but then again, it's it's gonna end up being that's the only thing that's gonna be counted. Like mm-hmm. if we're being honest, nobody's gonna care what you do in the regular season if you flop in the playoffs. Everyone's exactly. gonna say, "Oh, he's a bum. He's a flop." That's it. When realistically speaking, like it, it is still regardless. Like yeah, the NBA's defense wise has completely gone down. People don't care as much regular season. It's still what a, a seventy. I think they made a seventy-two games. I don't know why. I feel like they changed yeah. the amount. Yeah. So so it's still seventy-two games a year. That's still pretty difficult to like body wise to perform. You know, you're still putting your heart. You know, you're not putting your heart all the time, but you know, you're still still physically you know aggravating to your body playing that much and mm. it's going to be completely undermined because of the fact like you know your body is still tired by the way after doing all that regular season work you now have to go in the playoffs your body's probably weaker more tired it's just naturally going to be harder mm. fair enough so I, I don't think it was, i don't think it should be undermined because of the fact like you didn't do as well in the playoffs mm-hmm. i see what you're saying all right uh I think we're up, we're about an hour and thirty minutes in. I think that's mm. a good time to cut it off. Uh, we talked about a lot. This is a long pod. We talked about a lot. We talked about the NFL offseason. We talked about the free agency. We talked about the Jets and Giants and what we think they're going to do. Quarterback rumors. Drew Brees retiring. We talked about a lot. We talked about MLB, Yan- Yankees and Mets, where we see their ceiling at. And we talked about in depth about the state of the NBA. Uh, anybody yeah, have? It's funny because hmm? you thought you didn't. You thought we weren't going to talk about the NBA that much, but. Uh... Yeah, that's a very good amount. Yeah, what do you, you guys have anything else to add before we uh, close it? No, I'm good. Elliot, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. I hope uh, you know, I hope I can be a guest again someday. And this was great. This was really fun. Yeah, thanks, Elliot. We appreciate it. All right, so we'll cut it off. We'll see you guys next week. This episode should probably be out by Wednesday. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Later. <laughs>